not be by sensationalism. It will be by your spirit. If your spirit will speak tonight, then every blessing that we need will come in that word. Talk to us tonight, God, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing. Repeat after me. Thy word word is a lamp lamp. unto my feet feet. and a light light. unto my pathway. pathway. The word of God. The word of God. Come on, say it like you say when you're in the mirror and you're pretending you're a preacher. The word of God. The word of God. (laughs) Is is my my textbook. textbook. Amen. Give somebody a hug tonight. Tell them it's time for the word. Give somebody a hug tonight. Give somebody a hug. Yes, and tell them time for the word. Yes, if you love Jesus, somebody holler yes. Yes. I said, if you love Jesus, somebody holler yes. Yes. No, if you love the Jesus that can break every chain, somebody holler yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Praise the Lord. We're excited to get into the word tonight. First, we just want to let you know that um, we are having a baptism this coming Sabbath, Pastor Kosa. <laughs> we started off, Pastor with absolutely nobody that uh, was making a decision. And at this point, we have almost 20 individuals Mm -hmm. who are ready to give their lives to the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Uh, We claimed 50 for for Jesus, did we not? Yes, we did. And so we got 30 more, don't we? Amen. (laughs) I believe. I believe, too. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Praise the Lord. Also, Pastor, tell them about next Saturday night. Next Uh, Saturday night will be our last night. We know we were supposed to go 12 nights, but as we... Progressing as we study, the Spirit of God led us to believe that we should just combine some of these steps because in, in the spiritual journey of Christianity, you really can't do one without the other when it comes to some of these steps. So we've combined them, and our last night will be Saturday night. Which night? Saturday night. All right, all right. So we're going to keep this rehab thing going as long as we can, but our official last night will be Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Saturday night. One more thing, um, if you will just take advantage of this last night. Many of our young people, let's just, we praise God for our young people here mm-hmm. at Glenville. Uh, we have a miracle room. Did y'all know that? There's a miracle room in the church. Yeah. It's called the prayer room. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you, anytime you want to, you know, I have a suspicion, Pastor, that some people are afraid to go to the prayer room because they <laughs> might think that people will think that they need prayer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And nobody, nobody in here wants anybody to know that they need prayer. Right. So. So maybe Rochelle is going to the prayer room right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. So thank you, Rochelle, for setting the example. But if you need prayer, if you want prayer for somebody, I want to praise God. And I think we ought to give a round of applause for Ella Violet Cox and our prayer warriors. Come on, somebody. Our prayer warriors are praying right now. They've been praying since 12 noon. They're on a 12 to 12, uh, 12 12-hour prayer uh, service uh, today, simply just praying for God's spirit, praying for you. And I know stuff happens when they pray. And so I simply suggest to you, if you have a prayer request or something, they're in there throughout the service. It will not be a distraction to us. If you want to just simply get out, slip out, just don't walk in front of us. Go around these doors. Go to the prayer room. Receive prayer. God might have given you a vision or a dream to accomplish something in his name. I love to seal things in prayer. How many know there's power in prayer? Amen. 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 All right. Also, the other thing is, is for those of you who are watching uh, via the Internet, and we are thankful for our internet crowd. Listen, y'all, we, got, we have more watching than here. Amen. Uh, is that That's a good right. thing? Is yeah. that a good thing? It could be good and bad, right? <laughs> uh, we are, uh, hopefully they're not in Ohio. Maybe they're on the outside in Antigua and, and all the other places that they're watching us. But anyway, for those of you who are watching, uh, on this Saturday night, uh, as we conclude and have the celebration service, if you have testimonies, if you have testimonies, we know many of you have been blessed. 
Um, got a got a text message today about somebody who's been watching, mm -hmm. and they have just been transformed by what they've been hearing. Amen, everybody? Yeah. So if you've been blessed, we're simply just asking you, uh, tweet us a simple testimony. Uh, you can Instagram a short little video, uh, Facebook myself, Facebook Pastor Coaxum. Uh, go to our website, any way you can contact us. And just tell us. We need to know what God is doing in your life so we'll be able to share with our members. Amen, everybody? Yeah, just All a right, quick shout-out. Yeah. There was a lady yesterday, Pastor, yes. who, uh, yes. who lives in Buffalo, New York, <laughs> and she said she's been watching us online, and she said one day or yesterday or the day before, her computer just shut down, so she decided just to come to see us. Wow. <laughs> yes. So, sis, if you can see us, we're saying hi to you. We love you. God Everybody bless you. God bless you. God bless you. But we're just happy that people yeah. are being blessed by near and by far by what God has put on our hearts. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. All right, we're ready to review. So let's go ahead and get it. Take it. I'll take number one, Pastor. Sure. Uh, the first step that we learned is that we essentially have admitted. Read this, everybody. We have admitted that we are what? Powerless Ouch. over our what? Addictions that our lives have become unmanageable. I mean, this is just as biblical as it gets. You, ain't, you cannot grow spiritually until you admit that you need to grow. Amen. Amen? In other words, every Christian, every believer, every person has to hit a spiritual rock-bottom experience. If you don't, you will become a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that more. The people that get the most from God are the people that simply admit that they need the most from God. Like Paul, we simply have to say, I'm the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. And so since I'm the pastor of the church, I want you to know I'm the number one sinner in the church. And actually, God is pleased with that because God came to save sinners, not righteous. Amen? Amen. Number two. Step two, read that with me. We came, oh, excuse me. We came. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Step two. We came, there we go, to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This is as basic as it gets. We realize in the first step that we have a problem, and then in the second step we realize that we cannot help ourselves. The definition of insanity is simply you are yeah. trying to do the same thing over That's and right. over again, expecting a different result. We need power or a greater source to help us. Amen? Amen. Step number three, together, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So after you admit that you're jacked up, then you recognize you need God, then you got to make a decision. A lot of us get stuck in the first two areas. Everybody, well, I'm a sinner, I need the Lord. Nobody's making hardcore decisions in order to run toward God and run to the things that he has for him. Number four. Step four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, and then we combined that with step five, which says we admitted to God and to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature Ooh. of our wrongs. We made an inventory of our sins. We took a close look at our lives. We put it under the microscope of God, and we realized, God, what we have to offer you is not sufficient. We need your help. I think the story that we gave was the story of David. Sure, sure. And David, David had somebody in his life who got in his behind. So y'all forgive us for being so straight, but that's just the real deal. Everybody needs somebody in their lives that gets in your behind. If you simply just live your life and you have nobody that can, can speak truth to you. Amen. Some of y'all, some of you, some of you don't have anybody who can tell you the truth. Amen. Don't. You just have put up so many walls. Nathan the prophet came to David and said, yo, dude, you, you sinned. You're the man. Yeah. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And then step seven, we humbly asked him to remove all of our shortcomings. I believe the story we used last night was the woman at the well. Yes. She kept stonewalling with Jesus. She kept <laughs> making up excuses. She right. kept trying to use clever things to divert Jesus' attention away from her real issue. But Jesus got straight to the point, did he not? 
-hmm. and said, go and get your husband. <laughs> she said, well, sir, I don't really have a husband. Then he said, you know what? You're absolutely right. You have had five husbands, and the <laughs> one you have right now is not your husband. <laughs> and so Jesus, what he's trying to tell us is he's trying to get at the root of our problem. Yes. And we also let you know that Jesus is not coming just for one sin in our life. He's not trying to make a part of us holy. God is trying to make yes. all of us holy, sure, holistically. Sure. He is trying to wipe our slate clean and make us better than we are right now. Man, at the end of that story, one of the things I like about the woman at the well is also a good story about ministry. By the time Jesus got finished with her, the Bible says she went and told everybody in her town, she said, come see a man, right? And she said, she said come see a man. Her witness was so strong because she allowed God to get so deep in her life. One of the reasons why many of us are not strong in ministry is because we, are, we have not allowed God to get to the deep areas of our lives. Let me tell you like this. If you are hiding something, it will come out in your ministry. That's right. Your insecurities, the things that you are trying to hide, will come out in your ministry. And one of the things that God taught me, and this is why I have no shame in telling folk that I, am a, I have graduated from pornography, that God has delivered me from that, is because the more I remind myself, and I know we talk about how ugly I was, the more humble it keeps me. And I think people appreciate real people. Yeah. People appreciate folks who've been somewhere. Why do you think her testimony was so strong? Because they knew where she had been. Many of us simply just want to minister and act like we ain't never done nothing wrong. Nobody ain't trying to receive that. You need to have a pure testimony. And a pure testimony does not mean without mistakes. It just simply means real. All right? All right. Let's get into our text tonight. Luke 19. So tonight we're going to move into step 8 and 9. And here's the text we want to look at tonight. Luke 19 and verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Mm -hmm. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and pastor. He was wealthy. The Bible says he wanted to see who everybody. Jesus. He wanted to see who he was. But because he was short, <laughs> oh man, oh man. he could not see over the crowd. Mm -hmm. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. What kind of tree? To see him. And since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, somebody shout the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Uh, it gave me a flashback of that song I learned when I was a kid. Zacchaeus, you come down. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7 says, and all the people saw this and began to mutter. Read this with me, everybody. Oh, Lord. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Mm -hmm. Lord, have mercy. But Zacchaeus, mm -hmm. who everybody? Stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, mm -hmm. here and now, mm -hmm. I give half of my possessions wow. to the poor. Mm -hmm. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, mm -hmm. I will pay back four times the amount. <laughs> and then Jesus said after this, today salvation has come to this what everybody? To this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Tonight we want to speak to you from the subject, make it right, everybody. Make what do we right. say? Make it right. Make, make it, right. it, make it right. right. Let's pray over this thing. Mm -hmm. Father, uh, we invite your spirits into this place tonight. Pastor and I have nothing to offer your people except what you give us. Yes, and so we ask, oh God, that your anointing may be over us right now. Yes. Lord. It may be over this presentation. 
We ask, oh God, that you may, uh, may expel demons and wicked oh, spiritual yes. forces that yes. may be in the place tonight. Yes, they hinder your people from hearing your word. We're asking, oh God, that you help us to be just as desirous for you as the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, yes, God. We're desperate tonight, and we're in rehab tonight, admitting to you that we need your help. Yes. Bless us indeed. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Let everybody say amen. 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 Let's go to step number eight and nine. Tonight, we're going to deal with steps number eight and nine. We're coming to the end, uh, but these are probably some of the most critical steps in terms of us moving forward. I'm going to deal with step eight, and Pastor will take step nine. Step eight says... We made a list. Read this, everybody. We made a list. This is practical. Of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I want to read that one more time. We made a what? List. Of all persons we had done what, everybody? Harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. What, here's where we're going tonight. After one has been touched by Jesus, there ought to be some practical steps that you take in your life to actually demonstrate that you have been changed. In other words, this step is saying this. If you've hurt somebody, yeah, that's it. if you've done somebody wrong, if you've done somebody dirty, you have an obligation and a responsibility now that your life has been turned over to the power of God to make a list, which is simply saying, figure out in your mind who you have done wrong. Mm -hmm. And once you have figured out who these individuals are, that you become willing. Somebody say willing. Willing. See, God can work with willingness. If you are simply willing to make amends with them, God will set the circumstances up for you to do so. This is hard stuff right here. Can I get a witness in here? Amen. This is hard stuff. It's easy for folk to come down the aisle and cry and say, Lord, you know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to come up. All to Jesus, I surrender. <laughs> we like that song. <laughs> oh, I surrender all. Everybody likes that part. But, but what, what are you going to do after you've surrendered all? There's some stuff that you have to make right. Yeah, absolutely. Step nine says this. We made a direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We could really hinder the blessings of God in our lives if we hate people. Okay, now we're going to get to that in a second. I don't want to jump the ship or oh, go sure, too sure. far ahead. But how can we say that we love God mm -hmm. and do not love God's people? I'll let that sit and let's go. Let's go. So, let me just say yeah. this real quick. You can't make it right with everybody. Mm -hmm. right? Okay? And I think that the line there was, it says, we make the recommends to such people. What's the key phrase there, everybody? Mm -hmm. Huh? Say it again. Are y'all with me? What does it say? Not me. Look at, the, look at the screen. What does it say? Wherever what? Impossible. Now, it is not always. Some folk are dead. Some folks are out of reach. And I like this part. Some folks, you would do more harm than good. Then, yes, right, Kevin, then to re-enter their lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and there are some cases, and, and sometimes you have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom on this. However, don't use this as an excuse mm -hmm. not to do what we're going to show you the Word of God calls us to do, and it's going to be very clear in a minute. Absolutely. Right, yeah. So the first thing we want to recognize is that desire and willingness is so vitally important to God. God can almost do nothing in our lives if we are not desirous for him to or willing for God to do something. Amen. You do realize that, right? 
God is a gentleman. He's not going to kick down the door. He's not going to bum rush into your life. There are points in our lives where God saves us. He snatches us out of the fire. But by and large, the, the times when God works miracles in our lives, the times where God shows up the most in our lives is when we are desirous for change right. and we are willing for God to work on us. Amen. That's right. All right. We're essentially going to see in the text that, we're about to, uh, that we just read that the only difference between those that are blessed and those that are not is desire. That's it. If you are desirous, mm-hmm. God will see your desire and respond. So we're, this thing is going to get clear in a minute. Let's go. Luke 19. Luke 19. So here's the first point we want to make tonight. Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus had everything, but really had nothing. <laughs> oh, boy. Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And pastor, he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Now, what we've discovered in our short little time of research is that Zacchaeus was probably the wealthiest person in his village, a city or his town during that time. Zacchaeus was the man who lived in a palace, lived in a mansion, had servants, had a Bugatti, had all the Bentleys, had servants and all those types of things. Zacchaeus was the man. And the Bible does not say he was just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. Basically, in in the Bible, uh, especially in the time of Jesus, just so you can get a sense of context here, the worst person that people consider to exist, like, if, like in our day, we consider the worst kind of sinner to be like a pedophile. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much toleration for somebody being a pedophile, all right? In biblical days, being a publican or a tax collector was like being a modern-day pedophile. They despised yeah, yeah, yeah. Publicans. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an example of this, in Luke, this is Luke 19, right? We still, we good? Luke 19, right? So what comes before Luke 19? Luke 18, mm-hmm. all right? So, so in Luke 18, there's a parable that Jesus tells to set this thing up, and it is the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. Right. And the whole point of the, of the comparison is, is you think the Pharisee is righteous. The Pharisee comes, and he boasts about how righteous he is before God in prayer, The publican, or in our mind, the pedophile, the worst of the worst, he comes in and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Bible says that he leaves righteous and the Pharisee does not. Now, why am I saying this? Simply for you to understand this, that in biblical days, Zacchaeus was seen as he was seen as egregious. He was seen as a monster. He was seen as a traitor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At this point, Zacchaeus had everything that most of us really desire for our lives. He had wealth and he had power. Mm -hmm. Most of us think if we have money and we have power, we are set for life. That's right. But Zacchaeus finds out even though he has all of this, he has all the money, he woke up in a brand new Bugatti. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Zacchaeus realized that, man, I don't even have friends. I don't even have people in my life who actually like me. I don't even have happiness or joy or peace in my life. I have all the money, all the stuff I could ask for, but I do not. There's something missing in my life. That's right. He was looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen. And I think here's here's, here's the application we want to make to you. Because a lot of you are saying right now, I ain't Zacchaeus. I ain't rich. I don't got money. I'm not rolling a Bugatti. I don't got help at the house. You know, and I mean, I'm just in my imagination, your boy Zacchaeus was bawling. The Bible does not say he just was a publican. The Bible says he was the chief publican. And to understand the context of those days, he was the chief publican in Jericho. Jericho was like the, it was like the pepper pike of, 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 of Judea. 
It was like the West Side, West Lake. It was where all the wealthy people lived. And so he was the man of that era. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie Wall Street, but Zacchaeus was like Gordon Gekko. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like Madoff. Yeah. That's who he was. Mm-hmm. He ripped people off for a living. As, as a matter of fact, to become a publican, there was only one way to get a job as a publican. You didn't have to do a resume. You had no resume. There was, there was one interview. What you did was you went to the Romans and said, I want to be a publican. I want to make money. They said, here's an amount of money we want you to make. If you make this amount of money, then we'll give you the job. And so how did they make the money? They made the money by robbing their own people. And Zacchaeus got rich by doing that. But even though he was wealthy, even though he had most of the stuff that most of us are trying to get, The Bible says that your boy was not happy at all. Mm -hmm. He did not have peace in his heart. And some of us here, you may not be financially rich, but you are rich in God's blessings. You are rich in talent. You are rich in good looks. You are rich in stuff. But yet you got all this stuff and you still ain't happy with yourself. You're still not happy with your life. Yeah, the words that come to mind are Jesus' words would say, what profiteth a man to gain this whole world, but then in the end to lose his soul? That's right. Mm. Second thing, Zacchaeus had two obstacles in his life. Mm-hmm. Number one, he was short, and number two, it was the crowd. Mm-hmm. Now, I can pretty much identify with the first one, being vertically challenged myself. Yo, you almost made me spit this out. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just, we're being transparent, and we're in, we're in rehab. Vertically challenged. Yeah, vertically challenged. Yeah, so, I prefer so, that, actually. That's, it's short <laughs> yes, I agree. Being a short man, we could probably almost assume that Zacchaeus was not as well-respected during that time either, as well as he was hated. The second thing was, his second obstacle was the crowd. And here we go. Look at verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Yeah, let me say this. Everybody's short in some way. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, you, I mean, the Bible says all have sinned. Mm-hmm. And, and I like what the Greek said. The Greek said, it, it doesn't say you came short. The, Bible, the, Greek, the Greek says you're coming short. Yeah. Everybody's short. Yeah. I mean, you might be seven feet, but you're short. Mm-hmm. The, the bottom line is you don't have enough. Mm-hmm. You don't have what it takes. And so I just, I mean, just get the picture. Your boy is that Jesus, Jesus has come to town. Uh, now, most scholars suggest that this, that this moment has happened right after when Jesus healed Lazarus. So Zacchaeus heard, Zacchaeus has heard, oh my, this guy raises people from the dead. I want to see who he is and what he's about. So he's going to look for Jesus. It's kind of humorous. This guy's going to look to see Jesus. And it's just, it's just real. I mean, he can't see him. He, he can't see him. Because he's too short. He's too short. That's one reason. Yeah, the other reason is, is, the, is the crowd. And I have to be honest with you, you know, being vertically challenged and being short, people are usually kind enough when people are taking pictures to allow me to step to the front. Put you on their shoulders or something. Put me on their shoulders, yeah. at least so I can be seen in the picture, right. so I can make an appearance there. If they don't do that, then I won't be in the picture and nobody will see me and it'll be like I never existed. People are usually kind, sure. you know, respectful enough to do that for me. But in uh, this crowd, he's the most hated man in the he world. is the most hated man in his city. The spirit of prophecy says he's trying to break through. He's trying to see Jesus. He's trying to climb over people and they will, they are literally preventing him from even seeing Jesus with his eyes. Are y'all hearing that? Is anybody seeing this thing? He cannot get close to Jesus at all. Uh The people are literally stopping him from seeing him. Yeah, and here's the thing about it. I want you to imagine, all right? Everybody knows who Madoff is, right? Madoff and this big Ponzi scheme. People lost millions, billions of dollars in investments, in retirement, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
And so he's doing time now. Imagine Madoff. I mean, he is, Zacchaeus is like Madoff, but he's Madoff in that town and nobody can touch him because he's that powerful. They've tried to convict him, but he can't. He's protected. He's got secret service everywhere he goes. He is the most powerful man in Jericho, but all the church people can't stand him because of what he stands for. Mm -hmm. So he's not only vertically challenged, <laughs> your boy, he's like the Napoleon complex. He can't, he can't see because, he, because he's just too short. But imagine him now trying to, I mean, the boy, he's trying to get to Jesus, but people are saying, dude, you don't deserve to get in this crowd to get to Jesus. So they're stopping him because they hate who he is. Mm -hmm. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. They, get they believe that he does not deserve to be in the presence of Jesus as much as they deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. If you ain't got it yet, you'll get it in a second. So right. what does he do? Yeah. The he next runs thing. Up on a tree. You got to do what you got to do, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Whatever is hindering you from God, you got to do what you got to do. And here's the interesting thing. The Bible says that because Zacchaeus is short and because he cannot see and the crowd is in front of him, yes. the Bible says he runs ahead of the crowd. Usually short people are much faster than everybody else. I can testify <laughs> to that as well. Anyway, Zacchaeus... <laughs> Lord, help me. Zacchaeus runs in front of the crowd, and the Bible is very specific. When the Bible is specific to name names and give details like somebody is short, it means that they are very short. If it says somebody is rich, it usually means that they are very rich. Yeah. But when the Bible says that Zacchaeus goes and he runs and finds a sycamore fig tree, mm -hmm. the word of God is trying to tell us something. Mm -hmm. He cannot jump over them. He cannot get around them to see Jesus. So he finds the next best thing. He does not go to any old tree. The Bible says he goes to a sycamore fig tree. Now, what do we get from that? If you research sycamore trees, you'll find out that a sycamore tree has very low-lying branches. <laughs> oh, man, help me, Lord. So that short people can easily climb up that thing. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not making this up, okay? Have you done this before? <laughs> <laughs> so Zacchaeus finds the most appropriate method for him to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. He can't climb every other tree. He can't run in front of people. He can't beat people up. He's not strong enough. He's not tall enough. He finds a sycamore fig tree in order to see Jesus. And here's what I want to say about that. Many of us feel discouraged because we don't have uh, uh, the same method of praising God as other people do. Now, let me, let me try to be clear on this. Many of you think that because you cannot wake up at five o'clock in the morning and do your devotion, you're not spiritual enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, I can barely put coherent sentences together, okay? And so sometimes I have to do my devotion during the middle of the day. And for us, we have different means and different methods, maybe based on our character or our temperament or our personality that draw us closer to God. Many of you right now in this building, the reason you are not as close to God as you possibly could be is because probably you're not doing the thing that God has positioned you to do. That's right. That's right. Okay, let me explain that just a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm not being clear. Many of you right now, God wants you to be in service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The way you see God is when you are serving other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you only see God when you are in nature. You have to pull yourself secluded by yourself and worship God on your own. For many of you, some of you are too reclusive. You're so by yourself that you don't have a relationship with other people, so you don't know what anybody is going through. You can't pray with anybody. You can't fellowship with anybody, and nobody can pray for you. 
So Zacchaeus finds the most appropriate method in yeah. order to get to God. Yeah. And for us today, the message is do what you got to do. Look, man, for a grown man in that time to run, first of all, was, was out of etiquette. It was a sign of disrespect in that you had lowered your standard. Now, we're talking about a wealthy, powerful man. He don't got to run nowhere. He tells people to run. Now, you go find me a tree. You pick me up and put me up to see Jesus. But he is so desperate to see the Lord that he's willing to to embarrass his, his behind as a short man, climb up in a tree amongst people that hate him just so that he can see Jesus. Here's my problem, Pastor. I just don't mm-hmm. believe. See, Americans who live in, in relative peace and they have everything they want. I mean, you say you're not rich, but let me. I mean, listen, I've been to Africa now, so I mean, I can tell you. Look, I mean, brothers and sisters, you have it made here. I mean, honestly, you have it made. You are blessed. You have every luxury. Mm-hmm. The poorest person in the United States has more than most people in the third world countries in this world. And let's just face the fact we ain't desperate. What are we desperate about? You go home to a heated house, to an air-conditioned house. You, still, you have, you have some, somebody that knows you, that loves you. I mean, your boy demonstrates to us how desperate we ought to look as we are approaching just to see who Jesus is. But we're not that desperate. We're not in a place where we got to do what we got to do. As a matter of fact, we look funny at people who look desperate. If somebody comes down the aisle and they're crying, I wonder what's wrong with them. They're desperate for God. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? How come you're not mm-hmm. desperate? What are you sitting there looking strange for, mm-hmm. waiting for a powerful mm-hmm. moment in the sermon mm-hmm. before you mm-hmm. smile or you shout? Mm-hmm. See, hungry people are the ones that get fed. The Bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness yeah. shall, shall be filled. That's right. And Zacchaeus is an example to us of somebody who's not going to sit around and look cute, who's not going to try to maintain their reputation, who has just gotten to a point where he said, yo, I'm sick and tired of my life and I want to change. Even if I got to climb up on a tree and look like a fool, if they're going to make fun of me because I'm sure I don't care. I just want to see Jesus. We're not there. That's right. And it makes me angry. It makes me angry because I feel like many of us are going to be lost because we lack desire. I mean, let me just give an example of this. Yeah. One of the things my father kind of instilled in me as, um, you know, as, as, as a kid is, like, I mean, he would not let us sleep in, even, like, in the summertime. So, like, I mean, it's summer. We're not in school. My man get us up at 5 o'clock in the morning to have worship, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the point of I mean, he wanted to instill within me work ethic. Try. To work. Yeah. Put some effort forward. One of the things we're seeing in this generation is a lack of drive desire. Try. Put some forward. They did a study. I don't know if I mentioned it before, but we were reading about it. They did a study on Japanese and Americans with mathematics. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the assumption of a school teacher is that Japanese and Asians are smarter than we are when it comes to mathematics. As a matter of fact, if you see an Asian, you automatically assume that they're smarter than you. Just stupid, all right? So, so just because somebody <laughs> just comes a different race, they're smart. So one of the things that they found was they gave them both a, che- a, a, a puzzle to figure out, right? And they were going to test their mathematical skill on the test, quote unquote. What they simply were trying to des- uh, test was desire. One of the things they found out is that the Americans, they tried for six minutes and they stopped. Wow. It's, no, now, nobody can figure out the puzzle. It's an unfigurable out puzzle, if there's such a word, right? It's not designed for you to figure it out. They were simply just trying to test who was going to persist in doing it. Said that the Japanese tried for 13 minutes, then they stopped. The Americans tried for six minutes, then they stopped. The point is this the difference between them and us in math is simply an, an issue of desire. How much
much will you persist? Most of y'all give up on stupid stuff. They didn't speak to me, so I'm not coming to church. I'm offended. They didn't sing my style of music. The pastor didn't hoop. He didn't preach my sermon today. I didn't hear my song. I didn't like what they did. I mean, I'm just saying, your boy Zacchaeus had gotten to a place where people shoved him out of the way. Get out of here. We hate you. You have no right to be here. You've robbed us. You robbed my mom. You stole our retirement. Get away from here. And Zacchaeus had gotten to a point where he did not care anymore about what people thought. He just had to see Jesus. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Is that where you are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Pastor, your point is, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. We found a quote today. It says, necessity That's right. is the mother of innovation. That's right. Every single invention that has come throughout the ages into our world has been born out of necessity. That's right. Somebody wanted to see when it was night outside, so they created the light bulb. That's right. Somebody wanted to talk to somebody, their family member who lived in another state or That's down right. the road somewhere else, they created the telephone. If you really want to be with God, if you really want to have a relationship right. with him, right. you will do whatever yes. it takes, even yes. use innovative means yes. to make sure that you get to him. Yes. So the question for you is, are you the crowd or are you a tree? Okay, I want to ask. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. <laughs> because uh, you, 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 don't, you don't get it. Ask your neighbor, are you a crowd? Are you the crowd or are you the tree? You all understand what we're asking? Help him out, Pastor. Help him yeah. out. <laughs> are, are, are you hindering people from seeing Jesus or are you helping them? That's right. That's are crazy. You, yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. The only thing that helped us, the thing that helped them to see Jesus was not even a human. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> In fact, without the tree, he would have probably never met Jesus. If he had not been desperate enough to run ahead of them and get in the tree, he would not have seen him. The people wanted to stop and They hated him so much. Let me not get ahead of myself. We're going we're gonna to move right here. Thank Luke, God for the tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luke 19, verse 5. But Pastor, some of them wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for a tree. <laughs> some, of you, some of you know you, you try. You, you, <laughs> You, you tried to look for some folk to love on you, to show mm-hmm. you the way, and you couldn't mm-hmm. find nobody. Mm-hmm. And you better thank God for that tree. Amen? Luke 19, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, the what? Ah, the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Mm-hmm. All the people saw this, and guess what they did? The crowd began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. <laughs> the crowd that day is like, yo, Jesus, this, he is a sinner. Yeah. You cannot go to his house. Yeah. He is not holy. He has robbed us. He has stolen from us. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's a thief. Why are you even speaking to him? Much, le- why, much more, why are you going to his house today? And not coming to my house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How come you're not coming to my house and you're going to their house? Here's the amazing thing about it. This is one of those situations where, I like my mom used to say this all of this, the pot is calling the kettle black. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if you ever open up your mouth and call somebody a sinner in a derogatory way, you a fool. And you blind. Mm-hmm. How could you say something about somebody like that and you a sinner yourself? <laughs> He's a sinner, like... So watch what happens here. This, this, I love this illustration that we're going to work with now. Yeah. <clears throat> now we're going to be sensitive here. Okay? Mm-hmm. All of you know the verdict, and everybody knows what happened, right? Okay. On the left, we have Trayvon Martin. And both of them can be Zacchaeus. Both of them can be, of course. Both of them can be Zacchaeus. We're going to illustrate that. Yeah. A young African-American male who, according to the record, was just walking home with his hoodie up with Skittles and candy. We have to the right George Zimmerman, maybe someone of Hispanic descent, they say, Caucasian, what have you, 
who is a, 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 a uh, uh, what is it? Uh, neighborhood Watch. Neighborhood Watch. Lord have yeah. mercy. Neighborhood Watch guy who's Wanna patrolling. <laughs> Wanna be cop. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> neighborhood Watch guy who sees Trayvon Martin gets out of his car and pursues him. Now, definitely, he stereotypes Trayvon Martin. Am I right about it? Can we all agree to that? It's pre- it's to a certain extent, of this. he profiles him, That's right. believes that he is up to no good without any previous evidence to the contrary, right. anything. Right. Okay, right. He says that he is up to no good, pursues him, and subsequently, Trayvon Martin ends up dead. Yeah, this whole, the only reason why this boy is dead is because somebody made a judgment. Somebody, pro, he profiled, said there's trouble, mm-hmm. not knowing that this boy lives in that gated community, and that's where he's from. So, I mean, there's, there are a lot of ways that we could go with this, and I know there's been much discussion about it. I'm sure you've had much discussion about it. I, we personally think that it's a travesty, it's wrong. This is probably this generation's first evidence of, um, of this kind of injustice on this level. Y'all, y'all got comfortable with Obama in the White House and forgot that oh. we still live oh, yeah. in uh, a country where... Uh, it, it, it was founded on, on racism and slavery. However, this is what we want to illustrate today, and it's just a little different point. We see Zacchaeus in both of these guys. Right. All right? So Zacchaeus is Trayvon. Zacchaeus is Trayvon because just like the crowd did with Zacchaeus, Zimmerman is judging Trayvon based on what he can see. Yeah. They are simply looking at Zacchaeus and saying, look at all he's done. Mm-hmm. He's wrong. He needs to be dealt with. All right. And then Zimmerman. George Zimmerman. The, the fact of the matter is, we want to hate him. Yeah. Oh, come on, say yeah. amen. Yeah. We want to hate him. And I'll just be honest with you and put this out there publicly. Although I, I, I accept the verdict that was given, I must admit that I was somewhat disappointed, given the evidence and the circumstances of the case from which I, I found somewhat. out. But <laughs> you nice. That's not what you said in the office. <laughs> That's not what you said in the office, brother. Man, don't, don't sugarcoat this thing, man. <laughs> Yo, he is upset. <laughs> Very much upset. And the truth of the matter is, we would like nothing more than to villainize and vilify yes, George Zimmerman and make him seem like the most evil person on the face of the earth. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, despite the actions that he took, we do not know his heart. Oh, man. See, nobody wants to hear that now. Nobody wants to hear that now. This is, this is where real Christians show up right here. This is the test right now, Pastor. This is the test. George Zimmerman shot and killed Trayvon Martin, but the Bible still commands me to love him. Oh, man. Help him, Lord. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Pastor. So, so, all right, so let me ask you. So, so here it is. So here it is. Somebody say, I don't like him, I love him. The argument, the, argu- the argument in favor for Trayvon, listen, we're not desecrating this thing today because, I mean, I mean and I'm going to throw this out here, too. It amazes me how all black folk get mad every time somebody white does something to us. Come on. That's but it. black folk killing black folk every all day, ain't nobody yeah. mad. What y'all doing about it? Everybody want to post something on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and put mm-hmm. your hoodie on now. Mm-hmm. Well, where was your hoodie when, when 30, boy, 30 of them, uh, black boys got killed in Chicago, Chicago. Right. in one weekend? Where were you then? All right, so I mean, I'm just, I'm, I mean, look, we, we fold black people, right. but we're really Christians. And the question is, is just like Zimmerman stereotyped Trayvon, mm-hmm. many of us are doing the same thing with Zimmerman. Yeah. We don't know if he's going to heaven or hell. As a Christian, our response should be, we're going to pray for him too. Yeah, the, 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 
The bottom line is, is he, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zimmerman is okay. Okay, Zimmerman and Zacchaeus are just alike. That's right. That's right. Let me tell you why. We don't really know. We assume the story of, of Zimmerman, right? We're assuming. We're assuming he. We're assuming he killed the boy in cold blood, right? And should be first degree murder, right? Amen. All in favor, say aye on that. Aye. We're, we're assuming that, right? But there's nothing to assume on Zacchaeus. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to assume on Zacchaeus. Yeah. Zacchaeus ripped people off. Period. Mm -hmm. He was wrong. Jesus said to Zacchaeus or Zimmerman, interesting that both their names are Z, he says to Zacchaeus or Zimmerman, I'm going to your house today. That's right. The bottom line is we become the crowd. Mm. Preach, Pastor. The church Preach. sometimes becomes that crowd That's right. that hinders people from Jesus because we only want certain people to come in. Mm. Oh, man. I feel like we harp on this all the time, mm -hmm. but it's just the truth of the matter, Pastor. Mm -hmm. The crowd that day judged Zacchaeus based on what he had done and even his actions, but how many of you really want God to judge you based on your actions instead of your heart? As we were reading the Spirit of Prophecy, Pastor, she says that for a while Zacchaeus had heard the good news of Jesus, That's right. and inside of his heart he had been thinking about the time when he would meet Jesus so that he could give his life to him. God was doing something. God was already doing something in his life, and if somebody had just bothered to witness to him, or to pray for him, mm -hmm. or to talk to him, or to relate to him in some mm -hmm. way, you never know what would have happened even prior to Christ coming that day. Yeah, it's actually a shame that Jesus had to be the one to come and save him. When there's a crowd. When there's a crowd of, and, and, and we know from the story, understand this, Jericho, don't think of Jericho the way you think of Jericho when the walls came tumbling down. By this time, Jericho was populated by two crowds of people, by publicans and by priests. Mm -hmm. The majority of the people that lived in Jericho were clergy people, mm -hmm. were ministers, ministers of music, Levites, ushers, church workers. So, so your boy is living amongst, he's living amongst Christians. And he has a desire to know God. And, and because he's so bad, Nobody ever takes the time to see if God is actually at work in his heart. My, here's my question, Pastor. Who do you think you are? If you, were to, if you were to say you're one of these two people, who would you say you are? Are you Trayvon or are you Zimmerman? <laughs> now, let me tell you what their answer is. Uh -huh. Most of us think we're Trayvon because we consider ourselves to be victims. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the yeah, right. Yeah, I'm the victim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, they always, uh, it's me. They're doing, they doing it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the one that's being done wrong. Yeah. But understand this, brothers and sisters. You're just like Zimmerman as well. That's right. You done done some stuff too and covered it up. That's right. I'll say right here. Maybe we should have waited a week to say this because yeah. they ain't receiving this I know, right now. I know, I know, I know. Woo! The truth is, the truth is, many of us hate people. Right. <laughs> okay, let me, okay, make it real. Yeah. Many of us hate white people. Many of us hate to see biracial couples. Many of us hate <laughs> homosexuals and lesbians. Yeah. Man. You hate certain kinds of people. And the word that we're about to show you right now wait, is wait, that wait, God does no not approve tonight. of that. And that's not even Christian. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you want to ask a question? Go ahead. Sure. What? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, yeah, now yeah, sis, yeah, yeah. you know what it sounds like you just said. <coughs> well, I'm understanding what it sounds like you were just intimating. It sounds like you were intimating he did it. Look, let me, let me say this for both of us. Okay, I, I, listen, in, in my mind, I think he killed him. I think he lost the fight. He did not realize that the boy could roll with him like that. And he, but you know, to me, it doesn't matter. I think the larger issue for us as a church, since we're here yeah. to discuss is, how do we as a church respond to people who are wrong? How do we respond to sinners, whether they're victims like Trayvon, that we stereotype and judge by the way they look. It's funny, y'all judge, y'all getting mad at Zimmerman for judging Trayvon because of the way he looks, and you do it to your own young people that come to church. You do it to these kids that walk around, the, uh, walking up and down the street with their pants hanging down. You think you're better than them because you live in Shaker or because you live in Garfield or because you live in Maple and you don't live in this community. Come on in here. Let's just be real and talk about this for a minute. My Lord. We're not mad. <laughs> we're, right. not, we're mad because of the hype of the story. Mm. But also, here's the thing with Zimmerman. The point we're making with Zimmerman is this, that Zimmerman right now is being characterized and maybe justly so as a monster. That's right. As evil. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is, in the eyes of God, you ain't no different than him. You've done stuff and tried to cover it up. You've lied about it. It may not be brassed on TV. It may not be on CNN every day. People may not be watching your trial. But this is the point we're making. That God, man, looks on the outward appearance. That's right. But God looks on the heart. And Zacchaeus is my point. This is what I'm saying. Zacchaeus was more like Zimmerman than he was like Trayvon. Zacchaeus was a crook. That's right. And Jesus said, I'm going to his house. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what if God were to stereotype us as we stereotype other people? <laughs> what if every time you made a mistake or you took a drink or you took a snort of something or you slept around or did something, God said, well, that person ain't going to get no better. Right, I'm not going right. to invest any energy into that person. I'm not going to put any power into them. I'm not even going to try to save them because they ain't going to never come out of this thing. I don't want to have anything to do with them. That's right. What if God did that to us? That's right. And what God is saying to us today, he does not want us to do that to other people. So we're going to show you something from a book. Uh, seven steps for the recovering Pharisee. The first step is this. You know, all of y'all are Pharisees. You do know that, right? Okay. All right. Me, me too. We admit that our single most unmitigated pleasure is to judge other people. <laughs> Let the church say amen. Amen. You may not do it with your mouth, mm -hmm. but you do it in your mind. That's right. Amen. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, number two. And you have come to believe, this is what you should be admitting, you have come to believe that our means of obtaining greatness is to make everyone lower than ourselves. There's some of us who cannot feel good about ourselves mm -hmm. unless we make people feel less than us. That's right. That's See, right. you feel spiritual because you look at Zimmerman. Yeah. Right. Yes, you do. You know, I would never do that. You don't, you don't know that. You don't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, matter of fact, if, if a black man had done this to Trayvon, it wouldn't be no, nobody would be no conversation about it. Anyway, I'm just leaving. Yeah. Number three. Listen, right. the only time we should be looking down on someone is when we are trying to help them back up. Wow. Verse number three. Realize that we detest mercy being given to those who, unlike us, haven't Ooh. worked for it and don't deserve it. Ugh. We are of the mindset today that we can determine who deserves grace and who does not. 
We are saying right now, Zimmerman does not deserve grace. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. He does not deserve any mercy yeah. whatsoever. Let me flip. Can I flip yeah, this? Yeah, please. I mean, listen, man, I remember sitting on my couch. I mean, I was alive. I was there watching that white Bronco being chased by the police. <laughs> as OJ, come on in here, <laughs> was making a run for it. Come on in here, somebody. And listen, here's the thing about it. Oh, look at how God is testing us right now. Anyway, and so, and so, and so check this out. So, so I thought, I think that OJ did it. Mm-hmm. It's just me. This is an opinion. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. Come on in with it. Uh, BJ, BJ, go, 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 man, go, go, come on, man of God. Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, most of us have graduated to a point now. Come back, come back, come back for a minute. Most of us have graduated to a point now. Well, we think that, you know, I kind of feel like O.J. did it. But here's the thing. Because O.J. is black, I want O.J. to get off. Yeah. How many of y'all rejoice when O.J. got off? Did you? <laughs> My Lord. How many, how many felt that he should, mm-hmm. he, should, he should have been found guilty? Be honest. How many rejoiced when the boy got off? I was at Oakwood, I was at Oakwood College. They were showing it inside the cafeteria. When, they, when, they, when your boy got off, man, there was, it was a party mm-hmm. up in the cafeteria. And so what that shows is, is that we only want, we only like people getting mercy that yeah. are like us. Right. We don't want other people to have mercy. Right. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. All right. We, we, we can't answer no more questions. We'll wait to the end. Go ahead. All right. Number four. By the way, let's just, let's just clear the air right now. Yeah. We are not arguing for the innocence or guilt of Zimmerman. Okay? That's not that. what we're talking That's about. That's right. We are talking about stereotypes and making judgments and condemnations on people based on what we see or what we think or we perceive. We're saying that the best thing for us to do is to leave judgment to God. Okay. The church, a Christian, ought to respond differently than the world is. Yeah, that's and I a, think mm-hmm. that we ought to pause the, the reaction that we have. There's an initial reaction of anger. But as you process this thing as a Christian, you ought to think how would Christ respond in this scenario and begin to consider your own life. I'm saying Zacchaeus is not that much different in terms of his innocence or his guilt. We know Zacchaeus is guilty. Yes. And Jesus says, I'm going to his house. And that's why everybody was mad. Go ahead. Number four. Number four. We have decided that we don't want to get what we deserve after all. <laughs> and we don't want anyone else That's to right. either. That's right. Okay? That's when you know that grace has touched you. You get to a point where you say, man, I want grace. And the same grace that I've received, yeah. I want everybody else to get that hook mm-hmm, up too. Mm-hmm. But when you only want grace for yourself and you don't want it for nobody else, then grace has not changed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Number five. We will cease all attempts to apply teaching and rebuke to anyone but ourselves. Before you try to teach somebody else or explain something to somebody else, explain it to yourself first. (laughs) I think we said it last night. Jesus said to the Pharisees and the scribes at that time, listen, don't go try to tell somebody about the little speck that they have in their eye when you still have a beam in your own eye. Stop trying to make people vegetarian when you're the one sneaking out on Saturday night eating shrimp and all matter of other things as well. Oh, man. Help us, Lord. <laughs> you haven't really been convicted or converted on that thing Not yet. shrimp. <laughs> but because you want to appear better than everybody else, you try to make them a vegetarian when you ain't even That's doing right. it yourself. That's right. That's right. Number six. Number six. We're keeping moving. We're going to show you how that, G- that Christ requires us to do it. Now, and it's not going to be easy. Ah, we're ready to have God. 
Remove all of the defects of attitude and character. That's when we know that we are getting rid of our pharisaical ways. We're ready to say, God, don't just fix them. God, fix you can me. fix everything in me. Mm -hmm. Number seven. Number seven, embrace the belief that we are all, yeah. that we are and will always be experts at sinning. <laughs> Even at the times in our lives when we think we have it all together. All of us know how to sin, and we know how to sin so well that nobody else will find out about it. We are experts at doing it, and we have to realize in our own minds, at the, at, see, this is the thing. At the very point when you think you have made it, you are a prime candidate for the plot of the devil. Woo! I like how one, one, one brother gave it to me like this. He said, don't look down on somebody else because they sin differently than you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's keep it going. Mm -hmm. If you get right with God, you will get right with people. Now, let me say that again. Matter of fact, y'all read this thing with me. If you get right with God, you will get right with people. All right? Let's read this text. Luke 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. So hold on a second. Catch what just happened. Zacchaeus runs to a sycamore tree. Jesus comes, stops at the spot and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house. The people begin to mutter and say, Jesus, you can't go to this man's house. He is a plain, he is a guilty sinner. You ought to have nothing to do with him. So what does Zacchaeus say? Look, Lord, here and now, he says it out loud to the crowd. I give half of my possessions to the poor. <clears throat> I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's like tithe and offering on a whole nother level. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. The boy said, I'm going to empty out 50% of my bank account because I just I feel so touched by what you have done in yeah, my life. Yeah. Go ahead. Jesus then said to him, today, brother, salvation has come to this house mm -hmm. because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me make this point here. Yeah. One of the things that you need to notice here. Notice, the scripture says that Jesus declared to Zacchaeus. Don't miss, miss this, everybody. He declared to him that salvation had come to him, not when he came out of the tree. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's right. Amen. Salvation came to him when he not only demonstrated rightness with God, but rightness with people. Right. Amen. In other words, you know you saved. Not just because you went in church. Some of y'all came out of the tree. You ain't, you ain't living the way you used to live. But, but you don't love people. Jesus. You, Jesus. you dog folk. You rude to folk. You mistreat folk. Yeah. You, not, you cannot call yourself a... And watch what the scripture says here. Go, go, go. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God... <laughs> How many of you love God? Yeah. Yet hates a brother or a sister, you are a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and their sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. In other words, you cannot claim that you love God if you don't love your brothers and sisters. <laughs> okay, okay, let me go to the extreme. If you do not love George Zimmerman, mm. All right. All right. <laughs> am, I, am I telling the truth, Pastor? <laughs> I know, I know, I'm just telling. Listen, listen, listen. Who then can be saved? <laughs> That's real. That's real. That's real. If you do not have a general love for all of humanity uh -huh. and recognize that every single breathing human being on the face of this earth is your brother and sister under God, the divine brotherhood, 
you are not a Christian and you cannot claim that you love God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. Deal with that rich young ruler real quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. The rich young ruler. So Jesus comes to this brother. and, he, and well, actually, He's the opposite of Zacchaeus. Yeah. Yeah. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, well, brother, you tell me. You know the law. He said, well, master, the law says that I honor my father and my mother. I ought mm. not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't do any of these things. And Jesus said, yes, you are right. Do those things and you will, you will be saved. The rich young ruler then said to Jesus, Jesus, I have done all these things from my birth. Hmm. Even the spirit of prophecy corroborates the story and says that he actually had kept the law almost perfectly <laughs> from his birth. Uh -huh. And he said, Jesus, what else do I have to do? I've done everything. One Jesus said, okay, well, hold on a second, brother. Mm -mm -mm. If you really want to be saved, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. give up your possessions, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And the end of the story is this brother walks away sorrowful because he has great possessions. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Right. And so this is why the story of Zacchaeus is so powerful because Jesus says, even at the end of the story of the rich young ruler, he says, man, it's hard for a rich man to be saved. And let me say it for you like this. The more you have, and I don't want you to just think in terms of your bank account, but, but, but how many of you can simply say, I'm blessed? Come on, come on, I mean, I mean, how many really know that you are blessed? <laughs> blessed? The more blessed you are, the closer you are to both salvation and damnation. Because it's easy for you in the blessing of God in your life to forget where your blessings have come from and to worship your blessings more than you worship the one that gave them to you. Yeah, many of us think, many of us think we have a living and abiding relationship with God because we come to church, we know how to lift our hands and sing the right songs and say happy Sabbath the right way and do all of that. But you have to ask yourself the question somewhere along in your Christian journey, who are you ministering to? Who are you helping make it into the kingdom? That's right. In fact, the spirit of prophecy says again, there will be no starless crowns in heaven. That's right. If you find yourself in heaven, you will find somebody there who made it there through your instrumentality. Yes. Okay, let me make it clear. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In other words, if you don't help somebody make it into the kingdom, you cannot go to the kingdom. <laughs> they don't want to receive that today. Unless you minister to somebody, you yourself cannot really fully be ministered to. You cannot be saved unless you help somebody else be saved. And most oftentimes, we shouldn't even have to try. We should be able to witness to people on accident. Yeah, yeah, it's just a natural outflow. This is Zacchaeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, watch, yeah, I mean, yeah, watch yeah. this, guys. Here's what we're saying. As soon as Zacchaeus came into relationship with God, what's the first thing he did? The first thing he did wasn't shout. He didn't go in. First thing he did was, mm -hmm. he said, I got to bless people. Mm -hmm. I got to make this right. I got to, to make stuff right with people. Mm -hmm. Your relationship with God ain't worth nothing if your relationship with God is not connected to ministering to people like you. It is so selfish to hoard what God has done in your life and then not reciprocate that same kind of blessing in somebody else. Matter of fact, there's so much joy in blessing people. So right now, what we're going to show you is, and this is tough. Yeah. We've got to sweep through it fast. Maybe we'll pick it up another, another time. But the Bible has some hardcore stuff to say on how you make things right with people. So we're going to illustrate what the Bible says that Zacchaeus did. And the Bible gives us very clear points on what somebody does when they have either hurt somebody mm -hmm. or when somebody has hurt them. In Zacchaeus' case, Pastor, Zacchaeus hurt a lot of people. Yes, he did. So the Bible gives us counsel on how to make that right. Mm -hmm. And then there are some cases where people have hurt us 
We How do we make it right? right. We're going to look at that now. Matthew 5, you'll find in the Bible, especially during the earlier parts of Jesus' ministry, on Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, when he's giving counsel to the people, Jesus always pushes the envelope. Mm-hmm. Christian morality should be higher than this world's morality. That's right, that's right. Let me make that even more clear. Even if the law says it is legal. That's right. If God says it is not legal or it's not right for us to do, our morality goes higher than the standard that the world sets for us. That's right. Mm, That's right. Okay. Matthew 5. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Get that now. That's crucial. That's crucial. Somebody has something against you. Not that you have something against somebody else. Leave your gift there in front of the altar, Pastor. (laughs) And first go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. (laughs) Here's what we say. They need to come and apologize to me. Y'all black folks say that. Y'all know say that. When somebody done you wrong, you run around here like you done quoted the Bible itself. Right. Oh, they, they gonna come, and they gonna get this thing right with me. They gonna come. They gonna, you before 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 I deal with you. You gonna come and apologize. Where where did you get that from? I stop with the word. The devil gave you that one because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that ain't in the word. Mm-hmm. The word says the word says that when somebody has something against you, this is tough stuff. You minding your own business. Yeah. You ain't even mad. You ain't mad at them, but they mad at you. The scripture says you go to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, we would squash a whole lot of issues and problems in our lives if we would just learn to follow the word of God. <laughs> we allow things to bubble over and to get heated so much that it's almost irreconcilable That's at right. some point. And here's the problem with many of us. Some of us are holding grudges against people who are dead. Mm-hmm. 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 We will hold a grudge for years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we'll not make that thing right even with people who are alive. Mm-hmm. And the word of God is basically saying, listen, mm-hmm. before you can come to the altar and give your offering, before you can have a right relationship with God, you've got to make that thing right with somebody else, even that person who has hurt you and you That's feel right. like you are the innocent one. Yeah, so here, let me get illustrate. If, if I know that, that, that Donna has, has, she's mad at me, I, 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 I sense it. You know, you know how it is. You, this, you just tell that there's something not right. Maybe mm-hmm. she's acting different towards me, right? And, I, and, I, and you know how we are. Well, that's her problem. I ain't doing nothing to her. I mean, if she want to keep up drama, let her do it. You know what the Word of God says? The Word of God says. The Word of God says. The Word of God. It says that your butt shouldn't even show up at church. That's what it means by bring your gift to the altar. It says that before you make plans to come to Sabbath school, and argue on what Monday's lesson is about. It says that you need to go. I, I, I am. God says I have to go to her mm-hmm. and say, my sister, I sense that there is something in our relationship is not right. Now, now, now notice, you don't go and say, you got a problem with me? You know, <laughs> that shows me that you got a problem with her. Mm-hmm. But I say, my sister, look, I just, first of all, let's pray. And you've mm-hmm. prayed before this. And you're saying, God, I just want there to, I just want there to be peace amongst us. And you go to her. Now, why do we do that? Because guess what? God, we, God didn't do nothing to us. We did it to him. He didn't tell us, come to me. He came to us first. Right. 
All right, we'll go to the next yeah. one. Well, in conflict management, Pastor, there's really only two responses that many of us give to conflict that we have with people. Mm -hmm. Either we fight or we flight. <laughs> That's right. That's Some right. of us will go out of our way to avoid people. And at some point, it becomes stupid and it becomes ridiculous. We'll walk on the other side of the church or take a different route even to go home just to avoid people so that we don't have to confront them. And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, we will fight with people and get all up in their face, have a knockdown, drag out fight. Mm -hmm. Things will bubble over so much that one day it just explodes out of proportion. That's right. That's and right. we end up having a situation that we cannot contain now. The word of God says, listen, if you know somebody has something against you, Go to them. Don't talk about it to somebody else. Mm. Don't call the pastor every single mm. time you got an issue with something. The word of God says you ought to go to that person and talk to them about it. Now, why is that a problem for many of us? Pride. <laughs> We're afraid. Fear. For whatever reason, we don't want to do what the Word of God says, but the Word of God says, listen, if we would do that thing, we'd be much better off than we are right now. Yeah, I had to do this yep. recently. And, and let me say this. I had to do this recently. And you struggle. You know, you know, does everybody understand what I'm saying? You struggle. You're like, uh, should I do it? Should I do it? And a lot of times you talk yourself out of it. No, don't do it. Uh, you're going to cause more mess than you do. But if you go in the spirit of Christ... Yeah. A lot of times, God will use conflict to actually strengthen relationships. God can actually use that to take your relationship with somebody to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And so I love what my former president would say. He says he has a 48-hour rule. He says he will not let something go by 48 hours if he senses that there's a problem with somebody. you got to deal with stuff and deal with it quickly. And once you've dealt with it, then it's done. Yeah. If they still want to have a problem, you have done your duty. All right, let's, let me say this one mm. quick thing. Emotional health is just as important as physical health. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the problem with many of us, mm -hmm. we have not forgiven people in our lives that have hurt us. Mm. Now, the problem with that is you ain't hurting nobody but yourself. Oh, oh, yeah. You're not, some people don't even know that you're mad at them. <laughs> yeah, some people yeah. don't even recognize that you're upset with them. You are the one that are in prison if you don't want to forgive anybody. Forgiveness is for the person who, 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 who has been, been hurt, somebody who has been victimized, right. who feels that they are innocent. When you don't forgive somebody, you are the one that is in prison. Right. In your own mind and in your own thoughts. That's right. Matthew 18. 18. Go ahead. All right. The Bible says, and go ahead, you take this one, Pastor, yeah. break it down. The Bible says if your brother, here's, here's the other scenario. If your brother or sister sins, and, and what the Bible really says, sins against you or sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Mm -hmm. Verse 16 says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of how many, everybody? Two or three witnesses. Verse 17 says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Verse 18, truly I tell you, whatever you want, everybody, bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if, come on everybody, if two of you on earth agree about how many? Anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. Yeah, the first point uh, the word of God makes to us 
is that if people hurt us, people have sinned against us, meaning they have legitimately done wrong against us. It is wrong. It's clear by the Bible. Let's say they, they lied on us, they cheated, they hurt us in some way. The Word of God says, first and foremost, we ought to go to that person by ourselves and speak to them. That's right. We ought to pray about that thing and go and talk to them. One of the most divisive Before elements. Before you talk to anybody else. Yes, that's right. That's right. The, the most divisive element in the church today is gossip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After church is over, when somebody has done us wrong or they have not said anything to us or they spoke out of turn mm. to us, mm-hmm. we go home and we have our potluck and our little Sabbath dinner and we discuss that thing in its entirety mm-hmm. to anybody who is at the table that day. Mm-hmm. God says if you do that, you're missing a, a very important step. And what you just did is... You have now made a problem that could have been small, that you could have worked out with just the two of you. You have made it your entire family's problem. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, here's my practice. And, I, and you know, even as a pastor, I don't tell my wife nothing. Come on. Nothing. I don't, especially, especially if something has done, 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 some, done, some, done me wrong, I don't go and tell my wife first and ask her opinion. But who's she going to side with? Mm-hmm. She's going to side with me? She's going to say they did what? And what I've done is now I've infected her spirit and I've made her spirit not right because I've not followed the word of God. The word of God tells me that if somebody does me wrong, if I see somebody in sin, that I don't go run around past the coach them first. I go first to them. And then and then I take the posse. But folks, this is what I, and I'll never forget, man. I remember I was at church and, you know, somebody felt like I offended them. So they called a group meeting. And you know what I did? I didn't go. Because mm-hmm. I said, you ain't following the word of God. Now, if each one of you got a problem with me, then each one of you come to me one-on-one. That's right. But since now I know you got the problem, I'm going to follow the word of God, and I'm going to go to you one-on-one. But we ain't going to do no group session. See, that's what you call mob justice. And that ain't the word of God. That's right. The word of God says work stuff out. Listen, when we, if we can keep stuff amongst individuals, there could be healing amongst us and our bond could be stronger. And notice what the Bible says at the end of that text. He says, then if you, buy, if you bind it on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. And he says, ha, huh, I love this text. We always quote this when we got only like two or three people at church and we want God's spirit to come down. And we say, if two or three are gathered together in his name, he's in the midst. But that text don't got nothing to do with a small crowd and we want God's power to move. That text simply says that if the church wants power and answers the prayer that the church needs to get rid of drama by us working out our differences with one another. That's right. Then God will start answering our prayers. Yeah, and many of us, we hate people today based off of rumors and hearsay. We don't even know them. You don't even know them, but somebody came to you one day and said, yo, sister so-and-so said this about you. And from that day forward, 10 years down the line, you hate sister so-and-so. Yeah, because your group doesn't like them. Because your group doesn't like them, then you're not supposed to like them. And you don't even know if it's true or not. God says you can make your way around that thing. You can jump over that thing if you just go and talk to that person and say, sis, did you really say that about me? I I was hurt. I was offended by that thing. I I just don't understand why you would say that. Please, just just be honest with me. Did you say that about me? Mm. And at that point, the word of God says that if we would just pray about that thing, sometimes people will not forgive you. Sometimes they will not tell the truth. But you can at least leave that situation knowing that you have fulfilled the will of God. Yeah, reconciliation is conditional. But forgiveness is not optional. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is your decision. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness only takes one. You can leave with forgiveness. You may not always leave with reconciliation. But by by golly, just because somebody else don't like somebody else doesn't mean because you are part of their crew, you're not supposed to like their crew. 
That ain't God. Amen. Look, look at verse 17 one Amen. more time. <laughs> Amen. If they still refuse to listen, mm -hmm. tell it to the church. Mm -hmm. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or, or, Zacchaeus. or, or Zacchaeus. But this is after you have followed the steps that God has given you. That's right. The majority of the time, we just jump right to judging people and condemning people. I don't want nothing to do with that person. I hate that person. They're wrong. They did this, that, and the third to me. I don't want anything to do with them. God says, after you fulfill these steps, you can move into the realm of maybe avoiding that person. But not avoiding in the sense that I don't want anything to do with them. If I see them broken down or they need a ride or they need help, I still have an obligation as a Christian to help that person. But you ain't got to sit down and have dinner with them. Okay. But, uh, watch yeah. this, though. I mean, I would say this. Yeah. The Bible says treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Mm -hmm. How did Jesus treat Zacchaeus? You start, at, you, start at, you start at point one all over again. I mean, the point is... The way that we, a tax collector, a pagan, is just another way of saying they're an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. So what is, the, what is the way, what is the purpose, how does the church respond to unbelievers? You try to save them. Yeah. I mean, in other words, what God is doing, he's showing us what he does with us. He comes to us one-on-one, -on -one, we don't listen. So then he adds some more stuff so we can get our attention. And then when that doesn't work, he puts more stuff to get our attention. And then when that doesn't work, he starts all over again. And God keeps on trying. How many know? God keeps on. How many know God keeps on trying with us? He doesn't give up on us. I mean, I mean, he's praying for us. He sends blessings our way. We ain't right. And he keeps on blessing. This is what God does for you. And so what God is simply saying is, what I've done for you, I simply want you to do that for others. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I truly I tell you that if two of you can agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Most people don't realize that Jesus is talking about being in the presence of people when they have made a covenant agreement with one another. Yes. When you agree on something, I love you like a brother, mm -hmm. you love me like a brother, we are on one accord. The Bible even says at Pentecost, the only reason that the Spirit of God could come was because they were both praying and they were on one accord. Mm. Some of you are not going to receive the blessing God has for you. I know you feel like, oh, Pastor Cosmo always says that, sounds real mystical or whatever, but I'm telling you the truth of God yes, as I see right, it in right. Jesus. Many of you will not receive the blessing God has for you just because you have avoided situations where God has allowed you to make things right with other people. Mm. If you read the story of Job, the Bible says that uh, God caused great calamity on Job's life. His friends came to him and told him, man, you messed up real bad. You ought to be dead, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. If you read the end of the story, the Bible says that when Job began to pray for his friends. That's right. That's right. God turned his captivity. That's right. That's right. When he did what was right by his friends and by people, God turned his captivity. Here's what we're trying to say. I'm going to let yes, you finish yes, this no, thing no, yes, out yes, for yes. Many of us even have family issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Father that has left us. That's right, Pastor. That's right. A Pastor. mother that did not love us. That's right. That's a right. sister, a brother, or aunt who harmed us in some way. Mm -hmm. And you are still holding on to that thing right now. And the main reason you can't move forward Mercy. with God is because you are in prison right now because of that thing. Mercy, Jesus. For some of you, it defines how you look at God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, your father mm -hmm. abandoned you, you can't really trust God. 
Because your mother never really loved you, you can't understand really the love of God or put it into terms that you can understand. And what God is trying to tell us, just like Zacchaeus did, Pastor, Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, Today, right now, I'm going to return to everybody that I stole from. Mercy. I'm going to ask people to forgive me. I'm going to give up four times to mm. what I have. I'm going to release myself from all of this just so I can go forward with you. The hardest thing in the world is not going to church. <laughs> it's not keeping the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. It's not returning time. Mm-hmm. It's loving people who've done us wrong. I, you know what? Let me take that part off. It's just loving people. Your head's about. Somebody tonight, what we just preached is what you've been going through. You love the Lord. You love him. You want to do his will. But you got people problems. You got people problems. You got relationship issues. And understand this, God is not leaving it all up to you to solve. That's why he gave you his Holy Spirit. He will help you, but you got to be willing. Mm-hmm. Got to be willing. Zacchaeus obtained the blessing of God and the peace. This is the thing that many of us don't have, peace. Zacchaeus had the peace with God yes. because he was willing make it right. to make it right. And so here's our appeal. Are you willing to make it right? If you're willing to make it right, and I'm not just talking about right with God, I'm talking about right with your fellow man. I want you to stand tonight. I want you to stand if you're willing to make it right. This may not be for everybody, but if if God is speaking to you in this way, you want to make things right by the power of God, and you know you can't do this on your own. Can't do it on your own. Can't do it on your own. For many of you, this is a heaven and hell situation because God is judging how saved you are based on how you have treated people. Wow. How you talk about them. How you think about them. Yeah. But I want you to know, this is, there's nothing impossible with God. 